Welcome to episode 28 of the Grassroots Guy podcast with me, your host, Harry Purdy. Today, I'm delighted to welcome another women's rugby player to the show, a recently formed Exeter Chiefs player, Louise Burgess. Um, how are you, first and foremost? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, all, all great. Looking forward to uh, getting stuck into this uh, episode of the show. Have you, um, have you done much listening to many podcasts, sports podcasts or my podcasts previously? Yeah, yeah, I've listened to a bit of yours. Um, I like listening to the Women's Rugby Pod, which is one just for women's rugby, which is a great one. Amazing. Good to have one in the car on the way down to training. Yeah, I can imagine. And um, I'm right in saying you actually live in Bournemouth? Yes, yeah, live in Bournemouth, play in Exeter. So it's about a two-hour commute um, on a good day with no tra- tractors or caravans. So it's a long drive. And holiday makers. And holiday makers, yeah, lots of caravans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So, Louise, I asked the same question at the start of every show. Um, who is Louise, Louise Burgess at grassroots level? Um, a rugby player, I suppose, at grassroots level. Um, but previously a netballer, a horse, horse rider, um, a runner. Yeah. A bit of everything. Amazing. So... In regards to like your first memories, again, a question that I'll ask every best every guest that comes onto the show. What were your first memories at grassroots level or any sports level? And how far does it go back? Um, I remember being made to play football actually when I was about six because my dad ran the local football team and um I think my mum and I had had an argument and she said, you know, go with your dad today and go and spend some time with him. So I had to go down to play football um, and I didn't, really didn't want to go because I thought football wasn't for girls. My brother played it, it wasn't my sport, but I went down and I loved it and then ended up playing football for about five, six years as, as a kid. Um, I also remember being forced into horse riding because my mum loved horses and I didn't <laughs> want to do that either. <laughs> um, and yeah still horse ride today so I think probably I was quite reluctant child to get involved in any of these things but um, absolutely love it now and have done for a long time yeah it's uh, it's always amazing isn't it to hear like the influences of the people who ha- obviously influenced your life the most and it sounds like your parents had that influence on you straight away you mentioned uh football already you've mentioned horse riding already but actually eventually it wasn't the sport you went on to but what other influence did they have on you as you as a kid in regards to sports and being competitive and all that sort of stuff oh they were great they just um took me anywhere i needed to go i think with horse riding especially we traveled all across the country for competitions and um at the time i don't think i appreciated how much of a burden that must be to be traveling every weekend to go to a competition or to training um but they just did it um, without, you know, without question. And with horse riding, sometimes we'd go to a show hours and hours away and then my horse would refuse at the first fence and I'd be eliminated. And then we'd have a really long drive home, <laughs> which was probably very frustrating for them, but they didn't seem to mind doing it. And it made it yeah, a really fun childhood for me. Yeah, incredible. So let's talk a little bit about horse riding. And I've, I've had... Um, a lad called Harry Derrimon who trains like jump horses for actual races but the horse riding you were involved in would have been completely different to that I'm sure so tell us a little about the horse riding that you were involved in. Yeah so horse riding um I do something called Pony Club which is a funny name when you think about it now but it was um just sort of like in your local area then you'd enter like area competitions then regional and then you'd get into national competitions as well so I did a bit of everything with that some show jumping cross country um 
like Jim Carner like stuff. So yeah, a great fun. Um, met loads of amazing people doing it who I'm still friends with now. Um, and yeah, it was a great sport. Yeah, so it's funny actually. Harry did mention Pony Club. Now I just assumed that that was. Oh no, maybe it would have been Pony Racing. Actually, is there? There must be a difference between the two. Yeah, is there? yeah. Pony Club is just like different. Um, different areas have have different clubs. Um, but when I tell friends now that I was in Pony Club, they just laugh at me. So like, what is that? Sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <was> fun. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And then um, you said about football as well, and you you played six years did you say is that what yeah yeah six years this is I think I went to secondary school then I stopped playing and started playing netball um a bit more seriously so it's sort of like county regional level um and then sort of dropped the football a bit I think I think we had a good team when I was younger but then a lot of girls dropped off I went into different things and then the team kind of disbanded so at that point I, I took netball a bit more seriously for a while and running Perfect. So we'll move into um, the discussions around school and whatever. And quite rightly, you said you, you took sports more seriously. What was it that like switched in your head when you went to school then? Was it the influence of like the girls around you taking it a bit more seriously or? Yeah, I think it's secondary school as well because you get pushed into what's on the curriculum. So I think obviously with the girls, it was, I think, netball, um, netball athletics, um, like dance that sort of thing we did in PE and football I remember wasn't really on the main curriculum and neither was rugby I mean rugby doesn't didn't exist in my secondary school for um for girls it was just the boys sport um so that's that's changed since I've been at school which is great but I think you do obviously spend more time doing what's on the curriculum and what the school offers in terms of after school clubs and um different activities so that's when I think netball was available to me whereas football was less so so I think that was probably the biggest influence because I, I love them both I didn't have a preference um just the, the team sport was I think something that I'd always love to be a part of yeah um, sure and yeah. You, you mentioned team sports there already is like something that you've always had an enjoyment for what is it specifically that you take from being involved in a team and that atmosphere that you love the most? Um, it's just the people that you spend your time with and um, the way that they raise you up and push you to be better and um, how, you, how you can make memories with your teammates as well. I mean, I love running. I'll, I'll go for, for a run, I'll run for miles, but you just don't get the same buzz about it. I think when you're competing for your teammates, there's a, another element of competitiveness and um, commitment that makes you really want to do well, not only for yourself, but for your teammates. Yeah, and when sure. they do the same for you, you, you have this bond um, that you're, you're in a team with these people. And I think, yeah, it's a friendship like no other. And the friends that you make playing sport, I think, will be there for the rest of your lives. Um, you know, they're not just like people that come and go. They're the people that would work hard for you. And I think that means a lot. Agreed. And um, I have to add in, I'm not sure in regards to obviously whether you're allowed to or whatever but I'm sure that there's some decent socials and whatever that goes on with the the women's rugby team at Exeter Chiefs am I right? Yeah exactly yeah they're a great bunch we have a really good time together on and off the field so yeah very special group of people. Perfect so you went to university after school um what made you go to uni and what is it that you did when you went there? Um, I went to university mostly because, again, it was, it was looking back at it now, it was something that we were sort of pushed into in sixth form to apply for university. I think I would have still gone without that push, but I think maybe I would have taken a gap year or um, I think now a lot of people like play sports for a couple of years or do something a bit different before going to university straight away. 
but I went straight from sixth form to Bournemouth University to study um, sports science psychology which was um, a, a good degree that I chose because I was interested in the area not because I had any particular idea with what I wanted to do career-wise but um, it was a course that I enjoyed and it had a placement year as well where you could go and work in industry so that was another um, appeal to me because it was something that you could get some career experience before you've graduated. Yeah amazing and um, again I suppose the lure of some parts of university were there for you as well like everybody that I didn't go to university personally just for merely the fact that I wanted to start earning money a bit bit sooner than others I suppose um in some respects I do regret it but what were the biggest take-homes that you or the biggest lessons that you took from university at the time I think um obviously I learned so much in terms of my degree and um having a year to work in industry was really important to help me get a job post post um degree but I think also that um moving away from home is very important when you're younger um like pushing yourself to be in a new environment I was very homesick at first I didn't want to stay I remember texting my dad after the first week saying can you come pick me up <laughs> he said no stick it out you'll love it um and still in Bournemouth today so yeah it didn't go too badly <laughs> but I think um you grow a lot as a person um being pushed out of your comfort zone because yeah. you're, you're forced to um and for me I think university did that when I was 18. Yeah amazing answer and um, again something I'm very interested in myself in regards to mindset and personal development and stuff and probably doing it a bit later than maybe some and before others but you say being taken out of your comfort zone was is, has been important for you uh, growing up and maturing and it, at university what other areas or where else have you found that experience to be useful? Um, of, of growing up you mean and getting out of your comfort being zone being taken out of your comfort zone yeah yeah well I think it's something that you have to do to to go up a level in whatever you do um it's easy to sit back and if you're comfortable with something um you know whether that be a job a relationship or whatever to sit in it for a long time because change is quite scary and I think you you do have to have a certain level of confidence to put yourself out there and try and achieve the next step so I would say um you know having the confidence to move away when you're 18 and make new friends and, and do that even when you really feel like you can't then when you try and move away for a job say in, in later life or you move away for a sports team then you say oh I got through this when I was 18 so I can do it again this time around um, and just I think it helps confidence. Yeah sure um, and alongside your degree was there any sports at university or did you kind of keep sports away from your degree? Yeah so I originally was in the netball team at university and then um, friend of mine said the women's rugby team could do with some more players because I, I mean it was only I'm not talking ages ago but sort of like five years ago the women's rugby team at Bournemouth was quite um was quite small there wasn't many players there it was sort of like if you turned up to trials you were likely to get in yeah. regardless of your playing experience and I mean even in the last five years now I know that the, the girls are in their first year when um people come to try out they have like loads and loads of people turn up now and they have to say no to people or they they considered having two teams I think for a while um but yeah at the time there wasn't really enough players to to even have a full team I remember every game was, it wasn't like am I going to be selected or not it was like oh who's available we'll take everyone yeah. <laughs> um so yes yeah, started playing rugby um in first year of, uh, of university towards the end and then um stuck with that through my second year and final year when I came back from my placement perfect so um, it's a sport you now still play. We've mentioned running, which we will speak about more for you, for yourself shortly. 
we've mentioned football and we've mentioned horse riding, but specifically rugby, what is it that you've uh, found within rugby that's made you stick to it? Oh, I just love it so much. Um, I love the people that I play with um, when you when you meet other rugby players. Because it's such a physical sport, you really put your body on your line for your teammates. And I think that creates a bond Not that I've not had with football or with netball. I think it's different. Um, I think um, I love I love the element where you can run. So if you get I'm a winger, so if you get the ball and you can run. I love I love that. Um, I love trying to run around people. Um, I just I love the whole game. I love watching it. <laughs> love playing yeah. it. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, every club that I've played with, I've met really special people that have stayed in my life and um, yeah, experiences that I will have forever. So yeah, I'm really glad that I, I took that jump and started playing it when I did. Yeah, incredible. Um, as well as that, in my notes, it has down here that you played for England universities, which we clarified <laughs> at the start, um, Sevens Rugby. Now, we spoke about Sevens with Georgia Evans when she was on, but what is your take on Sevens and why is it so different to Fifteens? Yeah, I love Sevens. Um, being a back, it gives you so much more time on the ball. Um, I think as a winger, there's not so much space when you play fifteen, so less places to run to. Uh, definitely more contact in fifteens. Again, as a winger, um, if I can run around people, I'd much rather do that than run into them. <laughs> and it's um, physically, it's a very different game. You need to be as, as fit as you can be. Um, I think you work at like eighty-five to ninety-five percent of your heart rate max for the majority of a sevens game, whereas with all um, with fifteens, it's just a, bit, a lot slower pace. Um, so yeah, physically it's very different. Different. The games are shorter; they're they're only seven minutes and a half. Um, but yeah, that, that seven minutes can feel like a lifetime if you're not fit enough. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I wouldn't like to put myself for it. That's for sure. So tell us about England universities then. How did you get selected, and then who would you go and play against in in the fixtures? Yeah. yeah so I um. I did that. So I came back. So after doing my undergrad, I came back and did a master's that I then transferred into the PhD that I'm doing now. But I was, um, I played England universities when I came back to uni for the second time. And we had a selection day. I think it was up at Warwick University where all universities are invited to send their players. Um, just basically a big trial day. We had to do speed tests. We had a full, full contact game, skills breakout, that sort of thing. And then I think they selected a squad of 12 in the end. Um, to enter a national competition um, called 24 sevens, which is run by the RFU. Wow, I think yeah. in, in, pre in previous years, there'd been like a home nation. So we would play Welsh universities or, or Scottish universities. Um, for whatever reason, that couldn't happen my year. Um, it was before COVID, so I can't remember, can't remember why it didn't happen, but we entered a, a, national, a national competition um, with lots of different rounds basically. And then if you got through to the final, we played at, at the Bath Stadium, um, the rec, uh, against other teams um, and then yeah did that two years in a row which was a really good experience because you just brought together with other players that you wouldn't necessarily cross paths path with normally because they yeah. were girls from um, I think Manchester University you know all over the place um, so really great experience as well like really high level coaching and and um, really quality players that I got the chance to play with um, that, that was just a great experience. Yeah it sounds uh, really good and would you say it was a bit of a shame that you didn't go and do the big competition against the home nations? Would you have liked to give that a go? Yeah, that would have been awesome. I just, yeah, I can't remember why I didn't go ahead, but I would have loved to have done something like that. 
Um, but it was a good experience regardless. And I mean, we were quite a young team because we were a university side, but we were playing against some of the best best players in the country, like in the final, um, you know, outside of university. So it was still a, a competitive and, and excellent experience, um, especially at that age when I was just coming out of university. Yeah, I'm sure. And then um, after university, then we'll, we'll go away from that. Your first club was Richmond. Am I right in saying no. that? Oh, no, okay, here we sorry. go. <laughs> So um, Oak Medians in Bournemouth, which yep. um, literally just behind where I live in a, in a park, was my first club. So I played there for a season, um, had an amazing time, met, met some of my friends for life there and then um, moved. They were in, I think, Southwest one or two league at the time. Then I wanted to try championship rugby. So then I moved to Trojans, which are based in Southampton. Um, yep. Again, a really, a really nice club, had a great time with them. And then the following season, I was wanted to give premiership rugby a go so that's when I moved to Richmond um which was 2000 and the COVID year it was in the COVID season basically so we we got about halfway through the season um I was just start, starting to get more confident and then uh, everything obviously shut down and all our fixtures got cancelled so that was really sad because we went from, from like seeing each other training to um everything was cancelled and then that year, the RFU um, went through a retendering process for the Premiership, um, where they look at the club's um, performance and funding and facilities and all that sort of thing. And that year, they decided to relegate Richmond down to the Championship and put Exeter Chiefs and Sale into the Premiership. Um, so when Richmond went down, I then reached out to Exeter Chiefs to see if I could go and play there because um, I wanted to try and keep playing Premiership rugby, basically. Um, and yeah. Yeah, amazing. So did you, in regards to getting Exeter Chiefs as your new club, there's a lot to cover there in that little uh, timeline you just gave us. Yeah, but we'll start at the end and then potentially work backwards. Um, in regards to getting in contact with Chiefs then, did they invite you down for a, a trial day or did they know about you already? Tell us how that yeah, worked. Exactly that. So um, I reached out to the head coach. Um, I think I sent like a highlights reel of um, oh, yeah. some, which is quite embarrassing, but <laughs> the sort of thing you have to do um, of my time at Richmond and, and other other times. And, um, and yeah, the coach was lovely. said, yeah, come down for a trial. Um, we'll, we'll see how you get on. So then I think pre-season started sort of August time after the COVID restrictions lifted. I remember when we first went there, we couldn't do any contact or or like it was sort of like we could only do skills where we weren't getting close to each other. So it was right, yeah, in last summer. Um, and then I think maybe like two or three weeks into into the preseason, um, they they got offered a contract, which was really exciting. I remember being so happy when I got that phone call. Um, and yeah, still there today. So yeah, <laughs> yeah inc time. <laughs> incredible. What was the name of the first club again? Sorry. Um, Oak Medians. Oak they're Medians. Based in, yeah, they're based in Bournemouth. Um, it's a lovely club, great ground, um, right in the centre of the Woodlands. Um, my head coach, Gordon, came to watch the City uh, Friendly, actually, with a load of the girls from the club on Saturday. So it was really nice to see Amazing. To see him there. And I, I played with two other girls at Exeter, um, Lauren Maisie, who also went to Oak Medians. So uh, it's nice. There's, that, there's a bit of a link there now, which is really nice. Yeah, incredible. So would you say that Oak Medians were like, you said they were, what was it, Southwest One? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Southwest One, something like that at the time, yeah. So, so just a couple down from the championship. 
you wanted to test yourself then from the moment you went into club rugby then by the by the sounds of things what is it about yeah. that challenge of going up levels that you've really enjoyed um I, I don't know I just think I like the new challenge um I, I mean I have not made it easy for myself maybe because I'm like now trying to play against some of the best players in the world which is hard to keep up with sometimes um but I think sometimes you can only improve if you if you try and compete with the best if that makes sense um and um yeah I'm just grateful for every club that I was at for giving me the confidence to to keep trying and keep going um yeah they've all been great yeah perfect so did is it you that's gone do you know what I feel good I'm playing well every week at the moment I feel like I want to take the next step up the ladder or have you had teammates, coaches saying, come on, Louise, like you've, <laughs> you've spent enough time here now. It's time to move on and go and test yourself higher up. Um, I think it's mostly come from me, but I've had the support from coaches that have um, always supported me to do so. Um, uh, my university coach, Hugh, he was he's always just been like, aim for the top. Why not? Like, what have you got to lose? Um, you know, if you get there and you're not good enough and at least, you know, you've tried. And I think that sort of mentality is so much better than like a, oh, you know, what if you fail? What, what if it doesn't work out sort of mentality? Um, and something that I hope can be instilled, you know, in younger girls to come, because I think it is scary not knowing whether you're good enough or not. But if you don't try, then maybe in a few years you'll think, oh, well, what if I didn't try? You know, what have I tried? What I could I could be playing for my country now or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So it's a it's a good point speaking about the future generation if you was to um, offer words of advice to a young women's rugby player or rugby player in general what would you say in regards to testing themselves like would you say go out and test yourself at the max or would you say what would you say yeah I I think yeah if you're going to do something it's worth doing 100% um I don't think uh, it depends what they want if they don't want if they want to try and achieve at their best level I'd say find a club you love enjoy it make friends if you want to try and to aim for the top I'd say don't let your doubts stop you because yeah. um, I think when you start doubting yourself or start worrying about things you just won't go I'd say take every opportunity that comes um, and I think especially for younger girls the earlier you get into that performance pathway the more likely you are to succeed I mean I started rugby very late really as an 18 year old but if you're um, you know a young girl six or seven or a teenager there's now so much that the RFU offer you um, in terms of like there's a t- talent development groups and um perform center of excellence excellences that the premiership clubs have that you can go for tryouts for I think from like maybe 16 or even younger perhaps um and if you don't try these things you don't know you don't know where you can be um so yeah sorry that was a very long <laughs> one no, bit of advice. <laughs> that is amazing it's good what good words of wisdom is what I would want to say for that yeah and again another interesting question for me I suppose is you say that you've played rugby since you were 18 I don't know how old you are now but have you seen the women's game develop whilst you've been involved in women's rugby and what have you yeah. noticed um what changes have you noticed yeah massively um I think a huge one was that the RFU contracted their um 15s players so um I don't know exactly but I think how it worked before that they were sort of like paid expenses and, and paid for matches and stuff but never full-time Whereas a few years ago, they contracted, I think it was about 25 or 30 girls to just play rugby full time. So they get full time salary. Um, 
within within that contract they're embedded within premiership clubs like Exeter Chiefs or Wasps or Saracens so they play club rugby throughout the year but um, you know that's their job now which I think makes a huge difference one not only just to like inspire the the younger generation to say I could be a full-time rugby player but also the the level of performance just goes up massively because you're not doing what I'm doing and having to work a full-time job and then get training and then get your gym in between traveling you know between everything else you're dead if you, you know that you're, that's your job then to play rugby and I think doing that will only increase the standard um going forward and actually the premiership clubs now are, uh, have got full-time programs as well where girls are in not just Tuesday and Thursday evenings but they're in Monday daytime Tuesday all day Thursday all day and then play on a Saturday so I think everything is slowly increasing in quality and then I think that inspires a younger generation because they think oh I could play rugby full-time rather than oh well playing rugby can never be my living or there's no opportunities to play rugby um, full-time when I'm older yeah again great answer so for you um you we've already spoken about your commute a little bit but you travel two hours to go down to chiefs that's obviously a four-hour round trip don't take a genius to work that one out but how do we like how does your week work then to be involved in a professional rugby club well a professional women's rugby club yeah so I'm a part-time player um there's full-time players who are mostly sort of the younger girls or the girls that um are internationals and, and with their you know with their countries um or students who are in um in the program that I just said part-time players are just in Tuesdays and, and Thursdays um so I work I start work at seven on a Tuesday so that I can leave at three to get down five-ish to do gym and prehab and then actual training starts around half six and then train train to about eight eight half eight and then get home hopefully before 11 wow. <laughs> um in, in time for work the next day so yeah tuesday and thursdays are really long days to me um being in the car is just it's tiresome and you don't get the recovery because after a big session you just sit for for two hours rather than having a hot or cold shower or um you know it's not great for me but at the moment I'm just trying to finish a PhD so there's just no other option to to leave basically yeah. um so yeah I've, I've been doing it as I did it with Richmond Richmond was the other direction but up the M3 that was about an hour and a half away and then um Exeter's now down south but they just yeah, don't have any motorway so it's actually not that far away it just takes a very long time yeah, to get sure. there from Bournemouth um so yeah, my work are great. They're they're really um, flexible with my hours on on a, whenever I go down. So that really helps. Um, and yeah, it, it's not the ideal situation to perform, but it's my situation for now. So we're just going with it and hoping that I don't get too tired. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. What about fueling yourself up then? So it doesn't even sound like you get time to eat <laughs> when you do that Tuesday and Thursday. I hope that you are. Uh, I've got a little lunchbox in on the seat next to you in the car or what how does it work yeah so chiefs are great so they get they do meals actually so if you're a full-time player you get um a meal after your skill session and then after the main training session and if you're a part-time player you get the food um in the evening so that's that's really great because then you don't have to worry about cooking um, but um yeah it, it does take a bit of planning and um yeah tuesdays and thursdays are always a bit hectic but I love it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, um, with every negative, there's a positive, and the negative of having to travel four hours means that you get to train for Chiefs and you get to play for them come weekends. Yeah. So let's yeah. move to the playing side then. 
They are yeah. a newly found club. We spoke about this really briefly at the start. One of my friends, um, James Dyer, lives in Exeter and he's a massive Chiefs fan. His wife plays rugby as well. So he was like, oh, you've got an Exeter Chiefs player coming on. And yeah, you know. Um, so tell us, how did it form? And then when did you hear about it forming and what's happened in the, in the midst of the start of Exeter Chiefs women's then? Yeah, so it's been quite a journey, really. Um, I think it was the year before the RFU were retendering um, the Premiership that Exeter Chiefs sort of put a bid in or, um, you know, an expression of interest to say we'd like to enter this league. I think there was huge support from um, Tony Rowe and the men's, the men's side. They said um, they, they put together like a really amazing package that has come to life that um, we get to share the men's facilities, um, we, sh- we share the men's coaches we you know we go we travel on the men's bus they they really I think um promised to put a lot into the women's section that they've really delivered on and I think the RFU obviously decided that that was the sort of standard of women's rugby that they would like in their league so they got in um, I can't remember when they found out sort of springtime in 2020 and then um, our head coach Susie had quite a big job sort of then pulling players together because it was obviously a brand brand new thing I think there was some teams in Exeter and Exeter College where um, a lot of the local girls came from and then um, otherwise I think she's recruited like internationally we've got girls from America, Canada, Wales, um, the Netherlands, Spain, um, a a right mix really and then lots of local girls as well have come over and yeah I think there's about 50 of us now maybe maybe 45 of us that play there. So how does that work in terms of um, like the squad because Obviously, it's 15 players selected. Yeah. You've got three squads there, basically. Is there like a, a B team or reserves or something like that to play as well? Yes, there's not at the moment. Um, there used to be a development league in the Premiership where where you would play, you'd have two teams. Um, but actually, I think they worked out that you'd... I think there's about, yeah, maybe it's about 40 contracted players. They worked out the number of the players that most teams use in an average season. So obviously at the beginning of the season, you've got girls not playing, but then a lot of girls go off to do international games. Um, You know, in a World Cup year, some girls could be gone for several weeks. Um, You've got injuries as well. So I think by the end of the season, last season, most girls would end up playing um, at least a couple of times. We also this year have got a... um, thing where you can dual register so you can find a local club where you can um, partnership with so that if you're not being paid for Exeter you're available to play for a, for a local club on the Sunday um, to, to make sure everyone keeps playing which is really good because we couldn't do that last year because of Covid there was no one else really playing rugby in the area. Yeah incredible that's uh, like one it sounds like Exeter Chiefs and all of the um, the top women's rugby clubs now are trying to basically mirror the system that's worked for years for the men's game. So surely, in your opinion, and from what I'm listening, we're going to see just a standard improvement of women's rugby over the next five, ten years. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know, I think more and more men's premiership sides are either wanting to or being pressured to support their women. Um, and I think that that's been great as well because... Um, it's not you know a brand new side can't just afford a huge stadium whereas if you've got that support from your men's side then um it increases the facilities and um overall the whole game is improving in terms of standard which sure. is really great for the game so taking it back to you again then your debut for chiefs tell us what you remember about it 
Um, so yeah, it was, I was on on the team sheet a lot last year, but mostly as a substitute um, on the bench. And then I had a full full debut where I started. Um, I think it was in February time. I can't remember. Um, but I was really lucky. I managed to get four tries yeah. <laughs> in the game. And um, I got player of the match. And it was just a really special day because I'd it'd been like a long time sort of like of being sat on the bench and being a sub. And then I was just so grateful that the day had gone well because I was just, I was so nervous. I just remember being like really scared <laughs> just before oh. the game. And um, yeah, it was really funny because the other winger on the other side, always likes to play in her number shirt and the ball didn't really go her way so much and I managed to get on the end of four like great plays and get four tries and I was like oh should have given your shirt up <laughs> so I was just sort of in the right place at the right time but it was a really really special day um so I think yeah I couldn't have imagined it to have gone gone much better really um for my first start for the team so yeah it was a great day sure I mean you've you've made you've come across so modest salaries because on your profile the quote is you've already written your name into the history books with your new club scoring the first ever hat-trick of tries by a female player for the Chiefs in a comprehensive 76-5 victory in February 2021 now that's the way of selling it you are just like oh it was luck you know like <laughs> but there's no luck in scoring four tries I'm sure of it uh well my teammates are great I think as a winger um you know, you're always always the last on the ball. Sometimes, you know, you, you've got to have teammates that will get the get you, the ball to you. Um, yeah. And and they certainly did that on that day. So uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great day, <laughs> one that I remember forever. Yeah, sure. And what are the plans for the Chiefs in the upcoming season? Then you're you're saying you're playing friendlies already, so plans must be fully underway for you guys to kick off the season in the right way. What are your yeah. expectations for your first non-COVID season? Yeah, so I think um, the season starts in the first weekend of September, which is actually really soon. Um, I think last year we finished sixth, which everyone was happy with because we were a brand new team. We were really close to being fifth, but I think just missed out on points difference. Um, this year we're aiming for the top four because the top four teams go into a playoff for um, the final, final standing. So, um, yeah, aiming for a top four and then uh, to win the league would be, would be the goal. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, There's I think some... we've got a really strong team this side uh, this year. I think last year everything came together quite quickly after COVID. With um, you know, it was such a such a short time from finding out they were in the league to to starting the season. Whereas I think this time round we've got established players embedded in the squad, and then also a load of brand new players that have come in as well. So the squad's looking really, really strong, and I think I think Chiefs will do really, really well this year. Incredible, and there's some very already well like there's some clubs that have been within the league and they're sort of I'm trying to think they, they're quite reputable already so you must be looking forward to the challenge of coming up against Georgia at the Saracens and other teams like that yeah exactly um I think last season I didn't I didn't play in this game but um Exeter managed to knock Saracens off there I think it was like a 26 game unbeaten um wow title so <laughs> I'm sure Saracens will be gunning for us when we play them again. But yeah, they um always a good side to play. He's a really high quality team. Yeah, sure. Amazing. And then my last question before we move on to um the eleven questions to finish, which I have warned you about already, <laughs> is what's next for Louise Burgess? Um, I think I'm just gonna keep keep working hard. Um 
try and free up a bit more time so I can play a bit more rugby by finishing my PhD and then yeah, get my head down and work hard um, to hopefully get a bit more pitch time at Chiefs would be amazing. That's the plan for now. Incredible stuff. Well done. Um, okay, so I did warn you at the start, we've got 11 questions to ask you. And like I did say, it is a quick fire round. So um, the quicker you answer them, the better it will be for you because there is a chance of winning a prize after the 30th episode, as I have told you. At the moment, the time to beat is one minute and 13 seconds, okay? Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, in three, two, one, Louise, what is your Tesco meal deal choice? Uh, Cheese and onion sandwich, a naked smoothie and pop chips. Very good. Uh, Best sporting memory? Uh, Four tries my debut for Chiefs. Who is your sporting hero? Uh, Kelly Holmes Favourite takeaway? Chinese Go-to music choice? Kelly Clarkson uh, What is your favourite alcoholic beverage? Uh, gin and lemonade Who is the best leader, captain or coach you have been managed by? Um, Linda van der Velden at Exeter Chiefs uh, Who is the most famous opposition you've played against? Saracens, probably. Advice you would like to have given yourself at 18? Um, go for it. Go for everything. Go for every opportunity that comes towards you. Best players you played with? So best teammates? Uh, Kate Zachary, plays for USA. Um, Cantona, USA. Patricia Garcia, Spanish, Spanish player. And have you or do you have any pre-match habits? Um, go over my notes again so I know what I'm doing. And put my phone away so I'm in the zone. Ding, ding, ding. We have a new winner. <laughs> We've got a new person in first place. One minute. Oh, no. No, it's not. I'm getting all excited. <laughs> Hold on. No, we don't. Scratch. One, one minute, 14 seconds. You was one second oh, away. Oh, no. So close. <laughs> so close. I got you all excited then as well, didn't I? Prior to second place. Um, I'll see what I can do. See what the budget can stretch to. Yeah, hundred. There, there's no budget at the Grassroots Guy podcast. I can tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, we're nearly wrapping up the episode. If people want to come and find you, where can they come and find you, Louise? Um, I've got Instagram. I do uh, lots on Twitter with work and that stuff as well. Um, search Louise Burgess. You should be there. And yeah, happy to answer any questions if anyone's thinking of trying to play rugby in the Premiership. Um, yeah, happy to help. Perfect. And have you enjoyed your experience on the Grassroots Sky podcast? Oh, it's been lovely. Thank you very much for having me. No, you're absolutely <laughs> welcome. I'm so, I want to um, publicly apologise for saying you were winning, but actually <laughs> <laughs> one second makes all the difference for sure. That's okay. I'm sure I'll get over it. Maybe yeah, tomorrow or the day. Ev- eventually. It might take a few <laughs> weeks, but there we go. Yeah, it might take a little while. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, that has been episode 28 of the grassroots sky podcast with me your host harry purdy and today's guest take today's guest louise burgess you can find me on instagram twitter and facebook at the grassroots guy and if you've got any questions you can email them over to me at the grassroots sky podcast at gmail.com i'll see you all here for a new episode next friday if you would like to leave me a five-star review on apple Podcasts, it would be much appreciated it does go a long way. I'll see you all again here soon. Take care.